TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. When it's over the time I fall in love. Well, good morning, everybody. It is hardline. It is Sunday. It is sunny. Lots to be positive about. Don't worry, I'm not going to start the show like I did on Friday. Uh, but lots to be positive about and be uplifting. And for the next two hours, we will try to illustrate all the positives going around in Western New York and around this great United States of America. Back after off for a week, Brenda Alacy. Brenda, good morning. Good morning, Joe. Great to be with you. And I'm calling my uh, my new setup here, the BBC, the Brenda Broadcast Center. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I've got, <laughs> I've got uh, everything set up in a different room, and hopefully you'll be able to hear me well. And I am, you know, as always, thrilled to be on the air with you, Joe, and having a lot of fun talking to our listeners and hoping that we all learn something and uh, can commiserate a little bit in these crazy times. So looking forward to a power pack show. Yes, and a great start to Sunday. As Brenda said, it is a jam-packed show. We have guests every segment, so this is great. And kicking it off, the guy who made the show as popular as it is today, Mr. Kevin Hardwick. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Joe. And, and let me just say, you know, you're looking for positives in all of this. Uh, one of the positives for me is the, uh, the blossoming of Joe Beamer. I mean, really. Well, thank you. You've, uh, you've, uh, you've really enhanced your presence on the station, uh, probably as partially as a result of the, the, the crisis. And I, I think that's good for you. I think it's good for, uh, I think it's good for WBEN. Well, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate that. And to kick things off, uh, we haven't talked to you since the beginning of all this. How have you been during the coronavirus crisis? I, I've been I've been okay. I mean, like everybody else, you know, it's uh, you, you you'd almost prefer to be put into a medically induced coma for a year or two until all this is over and just wake up and have it uh, have it be normal or whatever that new normal is. But uh, but I've I've been doing okay. I worry about a lot of people, however, who have not been doing as well. Um, it's uh, there's there's a lot of suffering out there, uh, both uh, medical suffering and of course economic suffering, and uh, and you know we all have to try to get through this together. Uh, Kevin, uh, obviously you're a professor at Canisius and a member of the Erie County Legislature. Uh, how have uh, your two jobs been impacted? Are you doing? all sorts of Zoom meetings, how do you stay in touch with your students and then your colleagues uh, in county government? Yeah, well, uh, there have been a lot of Zoom meetings, county government. Uh, there's been a lot of, uh, there was a lot more work at Canisius. It's, uh, it's a lot easier to walk into a classroom for an hour, give your lecture that you've given 
many times before and and walk out, talk with some students. It's a lot more difficult to do everything online. I think uh, most people uh, in academia, most people in education in general, my wife is a Buffalo school teacher. I know that they're struggling trying to keep contact with their students and having to put everything online and respond to it. It's uh, it, it really is a lot more work um, working from home and doing everything online. Um, but again, at least uh, at least uh, those of us who are who are doing this uh, still have our jobs. Uh, there are a lot of, as I said earlier, there are a lot of people who have been impacted, so it's it's tough to complain too much. All right, Kevin. Now to the hardline questioning. Um, you've got county government, state government, and federal government. Now, honestly, obviously, no party bias. How would you rank the response of each? Well, I, I, I mean, really, uh, un, unbiased as as unbiased as I can be. I think the the federal government, at least early, came up short. Um, I think that uh, it, you know, it hasn't helped the the president uh, still downplaying the uh, impact of this virus. Uh, you know, you see his public health officials kind of shaking their heads, um, wondering what he's doing. I think uh, from a from a state standpoint, I think that uh, Governor Cuomo, you know. Made a made an early call uh, on uh, on shutting things down, and uh, you know you can question that. Certainly, I'm I can question that. Did we go too far? Did he err too much on the side of caution? I'm trying to get a. Uh, I had some. Uh, I had a sewer line dug up in the fall, and I let the uh, let the, uh, uh, the 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 lawn settle uh, uh, over the winter, and I'm ready to get a new front lawn in, and I can't get anybody to do it. I mean that to me seems a little bit ridiculous, but again. Um, the call was made, and, and it's tough to it's tough to, to nitpick on things like that. From a county standpoint, I can tell you, um, I'm I'm very high on on what uh, County Executive Mark Polencars has been doing, as well as uh, as well as uh, Gail Burstein in in health and her staff. And you know, I think the 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 response has been uh, been something I'm uh, I, I heap a lot of praise on. I got two I'd like to build off that response, and what you said. Lastly, I'll say. I have nothing wrong with the county response, uh, what they've done. I think they were on top of this before any cases were confirmed. But don't you think the county executive could be a little more positive in his briefings? I mean, he and, and Governor Cuomo pretty much say the same thing. But after, I mean, in May, do we have to be told that in September we might not have football? I mean, was that really necessary? Everyone's kind of depressed right? They're down, uh, as you said, financial issues. Maybe they, they have two weeks left and then they know they're getting laid off. Do you have to, we had one thing to be excited about, the schedule that was released. Did we really need to be told that the season might not happen? Was that really necessary? Well, it was, you know, Joe, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big uh, longtime listener of Joe Beaver, and I heard you say that the other day, and I've seen you tweet that out, um, that same sentiment. Um, and one of the things I like about you is that you are open to uh, rational discourse. Uh, if someone challenges what you say, you don't jump all over them and shut them off. Um, I, I don't have a problem with, uh, with Mark coming off a bit negative. I think that's, that's necessary because if you don't, people will not take it seriously. Uh, you know, there's this, uh, there, there are these polls that show this partisan divide. Uh, Republicans versus Democrats in terms of wearing masks and taking this thing seriously. I think if if people don't take it seriously, then then you know we're we 
were never able to open up in Erie County. Well, no, I, uh, Kevin, I 100% agree. I was grocery shopping yesterday and saw a family with no masks on, and I tweeted about it. I, I That is why we are where we are, because there are people not doing their part. I 100% agree. And like I said, I applaud the response from the county government 100%. I have nothing bad to say. I just would like a little more, a little less negativity. Have us have something. Let us look forward to something, even if it's in September, even if it doesn't happen. Just have us be positive about something, you know, for a few hours. Well, I, I, think, I think that, uh, again, I'm, I'm very reluctant to criticize uh, the county executive for trying to stress the seriousness of this. Because I'll tell you, as, as time has gone on, um, you know, t- running on two months or whatever it is now, uh, even I tend to, you know, let my guard down a little bit and say, well, this isn't as bad. Maybe I will make an extra trip, go there. And, and you know, I mean, people are still dying from this. We're on the, we're on locally, we're, we're hopefully that we've, we've plateaued and we're on the downside of the curve uh, in general, but, uh, but people are still, still dying from this. It doesn't matter Kevin. Get this, whether you're the first person to get this, uh, this uh, coronavirus or the last person in Erie County, it's still going to have uh, a deleterious impact on your health. Kevin, I, I, uh, I can understand where my co-host is coming from, and Joe has said this quite a bit about Poland Cares being too negative. And believe me, there's no bigger Bills fan than, uh, than me. Uh, I want to look forward to things as well. And I, I once heard a quote in a movie that happiness is defined by having something to look forward to. So I certainly appreciate Joe's sentiments here, but I have to uh, agree more with you about uh, Mark Polonkar's response. I mean, his job is not of, of that of a cheerleader. His job is a leader and a realist. And his personality, I think, lends itself to that. He's very analytical. He's very data-driven. Uh, he's an attorney, so I think he thinks like you know, in, in logical patterns. Um, is he warm and fuzzy? Absolutely not. But, uh, and then when Cuomo starts to get warm and fuzzy, people criticize him for that, you know, talking about his mother's meatballs and his daughters and so forth. So I think in some ways the, uh, the political leaders are in a no-win situation. If they get too familiar, then people criticize him for that. If they're too data-driven, there's criticism of that. Um, I think when you see Polonkar singing a song, playing a guitar in his uh, attic uh, on YouTube, it does show the humanity of the man. Uh, and I, I really don't have any quarrel with the way he's been running this situation and the way that the uh, uh, that he and Dr. Gail Burstein seem to really understand the importance of getting the word out. Right. I'm worried more so about right. the nursing home deaths. I don't know if you saw the uh, the latest report about what's happening in Newfane. But it's really disturbing to hear about that. And my question for you, Kevin, is do you think that the governor dropped the ball on nursing homes? Yeah, I think, I think when this is all over, I think we're going to have to come back and, and, and look at that decision with nursing homes. There's, there's no question about that. And I would, uh, you know, I, I, I think we have, to, we have to talk about that because, um, because we're probably going to be dealing – or not probably, may, we – yeah, probably dealing with this in the fall again. I think it probably will go, uh, you know, we'll have a bit of a break in the summer. Um, it's probably later than a lot of people have predicted. Uh, you know, the president thought it would be going away in April and we'd all be in Easter Sunday uh, in, the, in the church pews. That didn't happen. Um, you know, most of us expect this to go away 
soon, sometime in the summer, at least for a while, but probably come back with a vengeance in the fall. And we have to learn from our mistakes. You know, you were talking about the, the county executive. Again, I want to just make one more point. I remember back in back in March when the whole shutdown thing started and we started getting serious about this. Remember how he went off on those those people in the bars uh, on uh, on St. Patrick's Day? And it was like, you know, he was really mad. And even I was saying, come on, you know, at home I'm saying, come on, chill, man. You know, it's you know, it's not that big of a deal. But as it turned out, it, 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 it was a big deal. And he was, you know, there trying to start to shape our attitudes toward this. Uh, and I think our attitudes towards this are important. We've got to take it seriously. My, my only comment to that is that was people not obeying, not not um, following the mandate that was supposed to keep us healthy. I mean, that's when capacity was 50 percent. And, you know, the pitchers were showing people right on top of each other that that is when that tone, in my opinion, is necessary when people are dreaming of a football season. I mean, I, I think let let people dream, let dreamers dream at least for a few months uh, before you have to tell them that schedule you were just talking about three hours ago. Probably not going to happen. But Kevin, I digress because I like to talk to you about the uh, upcoming presidential election. Yeah, it is actually going to happen in November. Uh, no rallies uh, so far. Where does Joe Biden fit in to all of this? You know, he really is taking a back seat, but he is running for president. Yeah, right now he's he's kind of an observer, you know, just sitting on the sidelines. Um, and, you know, it, it a lot of this is going to revolve around what things look like a few months from now. Again, you expect a bit of a, a respite in the summer. What's going to happen in September and, and especially in October? Uh, is this thing going to be back? Are things going to be really bad again? Um, are they going to be worse? I think that's that's going to, you know, uh, go a long way towards determining how this presidential election goes. But there are a lot of other factors. I mean, this this whole push for male voting, um, you know, that's uh, is is that going to work? Are people going to be able to get to the polls? Uh, are are we going to be voting by mail? I think probably we'll be voting by mail in New York State, uh, but that won't matter because we all know that New York State is is going to go for the uh, the Democratic candidate no matter what, just like uh, Mississippi will go for the Republican candidate no matter what. Uh, but in those battleground states, uh, what's uh, you know what's going to be the situation there? That's going to determine the outcome of the election, just like it did the last election. Kevin, your thoughts on uh, Joe Biden? Um, you know, as the president refers to him as Hyden Biden, and <laughs> the president continues to tweet about uh, you know a lot of things, including his uh, presumed opponent. Uh, in a way, do you think this uh, pandemic works in Biden's favor only in the sense that he is not allowed to go out and hold rallies and meet with people like you would assume he normally would, and therefore he is less likely to be seen making gaffes and saying ridiculous things? Yep. Do you think that it's worked in his favor in that regard? Well, I think, it, I think that, uh, you know, from a political standpoint, it works in his favor in a lot of regards. In, in that and, and others, because the president has struggled. He's been inconsistent. You know, he originally called it a hoax. He said that we were going to go from zero to, or 15 to zero cases. He said we'd be in in church on, uh, in, you know, in April, it was going to go away and we'd be there on Easter Sunday. I mean, this is, you know, this is a drip, drip, drip. And it's, 
it's it's eroding uh, the president's um, uh, 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 support. Um, you know, he'll always have his base. He'll have that solid 30, 35 percent. But the people around the margins, um, you know, are, are starting to fall away from him. Um, so, yeah, it's it's benefited uh, certainly Joe Biden or whoever the Democrat candidate was going to be. Um, but, uh, you know, it's tough to talk about um, um, political advantage when you're talking about 90,000 people already dead and probably, unfortunately, a lot more after that. And, and a lot of people, you know, whose lives uh, have been destroyed, businesses, um, you know, it's tough to talk about uh, about political advantage there. You've got to be careful. Yes, and and what about President Obama now uh, making himself heard uh, as something, somebody who really did not uh, come out and say much about anything, uh, certainly as it pertains to his former vice president, and now he's making uh, many more statements, speaking at graduations. Uh, what do you make of his response to how President Trump is handling the crisis and also um, his response about Joe Biden? Well, he's been very restrained for, you know, over three years now, and he's just now coming out. I think uh, my guess is the president or the former president has has had enough, uh, and he's going to, you know, come out swinging more and more, and you're going to see more and more of it. uh, And that, you know, probably benefits Joe Biden in a big way. Uh, Again, both ways. I think the the president, uh, President Trump, is 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 taking a uh, a risk by forwarding this whole Obamagate thing, uh, but it may be a, a a risk well worth taking. Uh, may be part of his his strategy. You know, we've we've questioned his decisions before. Certainly in 2016, some of his uh, uh, campaign uh, strategy and tactics, uh, and you know, we've we've learned that uh, that uh, that we could be the ones that are wrong when we look at those things. Well, Kevin, since Brenda took my last question, I do have one final I have one final question for you. Have you been watching The Last Dance? I have not. I have not, and I understand it's uh, it's pretty good. I mean, I just I I was late though on the Tiger King thing too or, you know, that uh, so eventually we'll probably uh, get around to it. I'll tell you, it it was really good. It gives you that 90s NBA feeling, which, in my opinion, the NBA was the best in the 90s. Uh, It gives you that feeling, some great... It's a great documentary. It ends tonight. So my follow-up question to that was, who wins the 10 o'clock time slot tonight, Taylor Swift or Michael Jordan? That's a tough one. Uh, That that is a tough one. I think think you're going to see a a big demographic uh, break there. I I don't know I I don't know I if if Joe Beamer if the best of BN is on and Joe Beamer's on I'm listening to Beamer. Well, Kevin, thank you very much. <laughs> All right, come Joe. Kevin, how long have you been Joe's agent? Uh, well, I'll tell you, uh, uh, Joe Joe, as you know, was uh, when I came back to Hardline was my producer. Uh, All right. Joe is Joe is just such a great guy. He really is, and he's got a great future in this industry. He's uh, good. Kevin, see, we had a disagreement, and you still say such great things. Thank you so much. It's, yeah, I, I'm going to be able to say I knew Joe Beamer when. That's, that's <laughs> nice. Well, Kevin, we thank you for making this show what it is, and thank you for joining us. You're welcome, Joe. Bye, Brenda. That Take it, care. Thank you so much. That is Professor Kevin Hardwick kicking things off. Great first half hour, Brenda. 
Absolutely. Uh, always uh, thought-provoking. And uh, and by the way, Joe, I think The Last Dance is one of the best documentaries I've seen in ages. It really, oh, I cannot wait for the final. I, yeah, you know how we were talking about having something to look forward to? I'm looking forward to that. That gives me something fun to think about. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and Brenda, it's no secret on this station how much I like Taylor Swift, but I'm sorry. Episode 10 of The Last Dance is on at the same time. I will be watching The Last Dance. Oh, I think you're making the right choice. And Jordan, you know, even after all these years to me, is such a fascinating figure, Joe. Really an enigma, what drives him. I mean, it's rare to see somebody with that competitive drive, whether it's throwing a quarter against the wall, you know, (laughs) trying to win uh, versus the security guard in their locker room or, you know, playing on the biggest stage in the world. It's just a fascinating look at this guy and that whole culture back in the uh, in the 80s. Yeah, you know, the problem is I, I have a competitive streak too, Brenda, but just nowhere close to the success when I actually uh, challenge someone. Uh, uh, you and me both. <laughs> you and me both. But well, yeah, that's what it just really is fascinating to watch. And coming up next, we get the other side from the other uh, political aisle. We have Carl Calabrese joining us. I'm sure it'll be just as entertaining and just as insightful. So hang on. It's Hardline with Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Welcome back to Hardline. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Got clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Here on News Radio 930 WBEN, Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy with you until noon this morning. Great way to kick off your weekend, if I do say so myself. We had Kevin Hardwick on the first segment, so the second half hour belongs to Carl Calabrese. Carl, good morning. Hey, Carol, great to hear your voice again. And uh, I know that you spent some time down in Florida. Now you're back in Western New York. Uh, how would you assess the differences in the way people responded and the restrictions uh, from, you know, the Sunshine State now that, and compared to uh, New York State? That's a good question. The, uh, Florida reacted much differently than New York. Florida was uh, a little slower to shut down and much quicker to reopen. Uh, and you could, you could see that. Uh, but... Even in Florida, there were some some examples of just government kind of gone crazy. For example, I was in Sarasota County, and in early April, the county shut down county beaches. And by the end of April, they were starting to have second thoughts about that. And there was a county legislative meeting. I watched, uh, I saw some of the clips on the news, and uh, the county legislature was saying, you know, it really is important to get people back out again and into the fresh air and the the, the, the ocean breeze, and it's probably healthy to get the beaches open. So they voted at the end of the month to reopen the beaches, uh, but they voted to keep the parking lots closed, <laughs> which <laughs> years ago, seems a little illogical. Chicago professor called The Death of Common Sense. It's just a great book because it's loaded with examples like this, and I think he could write volume two uh, just <laughs> on this corona issue. 
But so they they decided to keep the the parking lots closed, and they said, well, you could go on the beach and you could walk the beach, you could surf, you could swim, you could fish, but you can't sit on a lawn chair or a blanket. A- again, just nonsensical things that we've seen. Just about every government across the country. I mean, you know, in in uh, Illinois, you could go out on a on a on a boat, but only two people at a time. If you're a family of four, you can be in a house together, but you can't be on the boat together. Uh, in um, in Michigan, the governor said, you know, you can you can go into a, a Walmart and buy food, and you can buy clothes, but you can't buy seeds for your garden. Nonsensical stuff, and, and a little bit of that in Florida, but certainly Florida was quicker to open up. The other thing Florida did was they very early recognized that to deal with this, you've got to have common sense, social interaction, masks, six, six feet, wash your hands, but they also concentrated on nursing homes. Um, and they were very, very quick to get into massive testing in nursing homes, uh, p- providing personal protective equipment to nursing homes, providing education to nursing home staffs on how to sanitize things and how to deal with this uh, in terms of a personal hygiene standpoint. And consequently, uh, Florida has had about 650 nursing home-related deaths, which is still too many, but in comparison to New York, for example, uh, far less. So uh, I think Florida recognized that there's going to be some risk. No matter what we do, you're going to have to learn to live with some risk, uh, but we can take a lot of common-sense steps as individuals, and we can concentrate on the most vulnerable going forward. I think that's a good lesson for the whole country. You know, Carol, when I think of Florida, I think about so many folks in western New York who visit the state, including myself. We've been down there many, many times. Uh, don't have a home there, but certainly visit a lot. And I also think about the senior population, you know, a place like the Villages. It has uh, just, you know, it's like a city unto itself with uh, all the activities I have, and it's a, a senior uh, village community, if you will. Um, and yet, as you say, they, people are, are listening, but it still concerns me that whether you're in Florida or New York State, people still do not, some people do not want to wear masks. I went for a ride yesterday. I was telling Joe about this off the air, went up to uh, Zare's Garden Center, and we went by a number of places, and people did not have masks on. And yet, you know, it just seems like a common sense thing to do, as you mentioned, uh, you know, common sense is out the window sometime. So... It begs the question for me, will we ever get past this if people won't adhere to some of the things that have to be done? Well, uh, what's your view? What's your long view on this, I guess, is my question. This is a virus. Uh, can anybody tell me, have we ever developed a vaccine for a virus? Uh, I, don't, I think the answer to that is no. Uh, now, we may. We may uh, develop a, a vaccine for this. Uh, the SARS epidemic uh, produced a lot of research, and they say about 80% of the research that we're going to need to do to develop a vaccine for, for this virus has already been done and established by the SARS effort. So we may very well do that. But until then, it's not going away, okay? Um, this lockdown did not kill the virus. It just delayed its transmission. So whether we open up tomorrow or we open up six months from now, there's going to be a reoccurrence of cases. That's reality. And unless we're prepared to lock down this country for a year, 18 months, or 24 months, however long it takes to get a vaccine, uh, that's what's going to happen. So the question is not how do you eliminate it pre-vaccine, but how do you control it? And and as you say, common sense uh, interaction between people and concentrating on the vulnerable. We know this. And initially this whole thing was driven by fear, fear produced by a model, a very statistically unreliable model that came out of England that said 2.2 million Americans were going to die. 
that launched the fear. But midway through it, we began to have facts. And the facts tell us that the most vulnerable population of people above 65 with secondary conditions, medical conditions. If you're in that demographic with that secondary condition, your odds of dying from this disease are over 70%. That's massive. If you're under 45 and healthy, your odds of dying from this disease, if you contract it, is 0.01%. And so we need to concentrate on the vulnerable, as we always have with these types of things, because it's not going away unless we have a vaccine. Now, it, you know, the SARS virus disappeared. The scientists are still trying to figure out what happened. It just kind of ran itself out. And this may as well. But I think we have to assume it's going to be around for a while. And we're going to have to manage it as opposed to eliminate it unless we have a vaccine. Carl, with that said, uh, the governor released his four phases. There's certain regions that are in that phase one. Uh, do you agree with the phases uh, and the regions, or do you think that could have been handled a little differently reopening the state? I think one of the, one of the lessons and one of the problems of this whole episode across the country is government almost always reverts to past practice, and that is a one-size-fits-all. You know, the entire country was not New York City. New York City, New Jersey area was ground zero for this thing. Uh, frankly, I think we probably should have been even harsher on New York City in terms of shutting it down, just stopping people leaving and coming. Um, but to treat the entire state like New York City, that's a one-size-fits-all approach. To treat the entire country, to treat Colorado, or Iowa, or Wyoming like New York City, that's an overreaction. Uh, but that's what government tends to do, one-size-fits-all. Now, we've moderated that in New York and gone to a regional setup. Um, I can certainly understand the positions of uh, Chautauqua and Cattaraugus, Allegheny, and um, Niagara counties that are in our region saying, wait a minute, we meet and exceed all of the metrics the state has placed to reopen, but yet we're shackled by the numbers in Erie County. Why can't we have a modification to that regional um, situation and allow us to reopen? If I were a county executive one of those counties, I'd be screaming about that right now. Um, I know the counter-argument is, well, people will cross the border into another county. But you know what? Even if you shut down by regions, counties are going to share borders with other regions that open up early. And so you're always going to have that possibility of people crossing from one county to another or one region to another. Nobody is without borders here. And so, you know, I, I would hope the state reconsiders um, uh, you know, for the benefit of the counties I mentioned and allow a little more flexibility. Now, building off of that, you, sp you spoke of Erie County, and I don't know if you listened to the interview with, uh, with Kevin last segment, but I I've been somewhat critical of the tone of the county executive. I, I think he's just been a little negative over things that you know we're looking forward to. Like the bill's schedule came out, and the next day he's telling us, well, you know, that probably won't happen or there won't be fans there. Do you think that kind of, in May, that's necessary when people just want something to look forward to? You know, hope is a great anecdote for a lot of things, including this. And I don't know about you guys, but you know, I, the paper every day, uh, it, it's, I, I joke with my wife, I said it's my daily source of doom and gloom. Uh, it's almost a, I mean, that first section is nothing but doom and gloom. The national media, uh, Dr. Fauci talking about things, there, there's no place for any good news or hope. And I, I think that's, that, that's what people need right now. I, I, you know, I speak for myself, but I, I'm sure I'm speaking for a lot of people. I'm, 
I'm getting pretty frustrated with this whole thing now, um, you know, being locked down. And, and I, I say, you know, think back to, think back to March uh, and early April. This began as a 15 days to flatten the curve. Why? To prevent the healthcare system from being overwhelmed. And I can still remember Vice President Pence every day in those briefings saying, we're 10 days away from putting this behind us. We're eight days away from putting this behind us. Somewhere along the line, that 15 days became 30, became 45, became 60, and whatever else. You know, Carol, it's, it reminds me of how my 401k is shrinking in the same way that those days kept expanding. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't even want to look at it when it comes. I know. I, comes know. Up, I open it and put it right in the folder right away because I, I know it's bad. I don't want to look at it. Yeah, talk about doom and gloom. I feel the same way. Hey, I, let's shift gears for a moment, Carol. I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the NY27 race. And uh, Beth Perlato has put out some um, pretty pointed uh, ads attacking Chris Jacobs. And even uh, the Republican uh, chairs of the eight counties have uh, complained about her going negative. What's your view on that? Yeah, apparently there was some discussion during that interview process with the candidates and the chairs uh, where the chairs asked for and received commitments from candidates not to do negative advertising. Um, and we see, which, you know, we, we've seen these ads come out, and in my opinion, they're negative. I know uh, Beth Parlato says they're, they're contrasting ads. Sometimes it's a, it's a, a distinction without a difference. Um, but they are, they are negative, and, you know, we know from past history that negative ads do work. And so I'm sure the Chris Jacobs campaign is, is polling every day and seeing if these ads are, are drawing any blood. And if they see that, you're going to see counters very, very quickly because he, does, he certainly has the financial wherewithal to, to counter any, uh, any movement uh, driven by those ads. Speaking of NY27, uh, this election, the special election is supposed to be next month in June. Um, it looks like I won't be able to eat at a restaurant or go to the gym. Do you see that election still happening? Boy, I do at this point, unless as we open, there's a massive spike. Uh, because as we reopen, people are going to learn how to adapt to the new rules, uh, again, of social distancing. Can you have an election with social distancing? Yeah, sure you can. Just as you wait in line to get into a store and there's, there's pieces of tape on the floor that show you where to stand in relationship to the person in front and behind you. Um, yeah, I think you could do it, and you could do it safely. Uh, and I think people, let's not underestimate, you know, individuals taking action on their own. Uh, you know, wearing masks, not everybody's going to do it, but more and more people are doing it. Washing your hands, not touching your face making sure you don't cough out loud or anything like that. So people are going to do this, and we're just going to have to assume some risk or else we're going to stay in perpetual lockdown. We cannot afford that mentally, emotionally, and economically. Hey, Carl, well, we want to get into the presidential race in a moment, but first, uh, just a thought about Chris Collins' uh, sentencing being delayed because of COVID-19. Do you think he'll uh, eventually end up in prison? Oh, yeah. Or will this keep getting deferred and deferred? Right, but it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. I mean, the sentence still stands. Uh, eventually, as this plays itself out, and infection rates go down and mortality rates go down, and we return to normal, one of those returns to normal will be issues like this that have been hanging for a while. And that is, you know, we're going to implement the, the jury decision and the judge's sentencing, and, again, it's only a question of when, not if. 
A question about uh, the presidential race. I understand you have some polling data on some of the battleground states. I do. I, I've taken a look at the the seven or eight, nine key states that will probably decide the next presidential election. Um, use the, the source I always use, and that is the real clear politics average of multiple polls. It's not one poll. These are some cases as many as six, seven, eight polls averaged together. And the states are you know, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, Illinois, Florida, North Carolina, Michigan, Georgia, and Arizona. Those are the battleground states. Um, right now, uh, Joe Biden is in the lead in six of those nine states, and Trump is in the lead in three. Now, the situation is this, though. In most of those states where Biden leads, it's within the margin of error. And secondly, um, if you go back a month or six weeks, those margin of error leads of 3 4 5% were 8 9 10%. And so as time has gone on, the lead has come down, and it's so very early. And as you recall, in 2016, at this point, Hillary Clinton probably had, I'd be willing to bet, double-digit leads in every one of those nine states. Uh, so it's too soon to tell anything is yeah. kind of the bottom line here? I will keep a record of this. Uh, you know, each month I'll take a look at these states as we move into the race and see how um, it changes from, this, from, this baseline, uh, from these baseline numbers that I just gave you. Carl, real quick, uh, Kevin Hardwick said that he thinks the president using Obamagate and tweeting about this Obamagate is going to maybe cost him in November. Do you see it that way? No, not at all. Just the opposite. I have to disagree with my good friend, Kevin Hardwick. This is serious stuff. This is very serious stuff. Uh, let, let me recommend to you and your listeners, go online and, and Google the Department of Justice filing in the Flynn case. It's 20 pages. Um, a little bit of it is, is lawyerly, but most of it, uh, a layman like myself, would easily understand. And in those 20 pages, they clearly outline abuse after abuse of the FBI and the Justice Department in pursuing General Flynn. It ought to strike fear in the hearts of anyone who considers themselves a civil libertarian uh, and concerned with government abuses of people in the legal justice system. Just read it. This is serious. People broke the law. People ought to go to jail for what they did. They committed felonies in unmasking and leaking in falsifying evidence and altering evidence and withholding evidence. This, is, this, this makes the abuses of the Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover FBI back in the 70s look like child's play. So anybody who dismisses this, this is a serious issue beyond politics. It's an issue about the Constitution and the rights of people under the law and with government. And believe me, it is serious, and somebody ought to go to jail. Maybe multiple people ought to go to jail. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if that happened, Carl, but how do you reconcile the fact that Flynn did lie to the FBI? How do you think that sort of fits into this scenario? He lied? True. But it wasn't a material lie. That's the difference. For example, if you're, if you're being investigated by the FBI on trafficking drugs, and in the course of that interrogation, you're asked, are you having an extramarital affair? And you lie about that. That's not a lie, because it had nothing to do with the underlying case. His lie... Well, it, it's still a lie, but you're saying it doesn't, it's not relevant to the core issue, right? Secondly, remember this, Brenda. He had a gun to his head. The government literally bankrupted him. He had to sell his house. And they were threatening to do the same thing to his son over some obscure lobbying violation. 
he pleaded guilty to lying to stop the financial bleeding for him and his son. It was under duress. And when you read the 20-page filing by the, by the Department of Justice, you know why he lied. He had to stop the bleeding. It was terrible what they did to him. Well, right. The whole system seems like a mess, Carl. <laughs> I, I really hope that we can kind of cut through this at some point down the road. It, it just seems like the system is really uh, just a, a total, total mess for people who are trying to do the right thing. It, it is. And, you know, it's, at some point you have to say, what is the right thing? What, right. Put aside partisan politics. We have a constitution. We have rights. We have procedures. And we've always made sure that when it comes to policing powers, that we keep a strict control over policing agencies for fear that they can abuse that power. That happened in this case, and it ought to be punished. Carol, always a pleasure to have you on. Welcome back to uh, Western New York. I hope your family is safe, and uh, Joe and I really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much, and stay safe. Also. Thank you, Carl. Thank you. Take care, guys. That is Carl Calabrese here on Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. When we come back, Jeff Faulkner from the YMCA will tell us how they are handling the COVID-19 crisis and what to look forward to once they reopen uh, amidst social distancing. That and more here on Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.